Yo, 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 welcome back, welcome back, everybody. Whew, so it's late, but I figured I'd give you guys uh, kind of my week 18 recap. Um, since this is the last week of the regular season, um, we had, you know, obviously some some win on your end games on both sides of the AFC and NFC playoff picture and so forth. Um, and, yeah, we get to look ahead, um, you know, look back at some of these games, uh, these the, the the crucial games, um, and also you know we might I might get into some coaches that could be possibly on the hot seat, um, as well, or some coaches where future may look a little you know foggy or dim. So um, let's get into it. I'm your humble and highly favorite host Isaiah Kip, Isaiah Kip podcast. Like I said, this is gonna be like this is one of my quick um recaps. Um, instant recap where right after the game, I give you guys my thoughts and <clears throat> we'll start with the Lions and Packers Sunday night game. Uh, obviously, the Seahawks had one earlier today, earlier, earlier on Sunday on the four o'clock window. And if, you know, with that, the Lions was eliminated from the playoffs, the Packers, if they win, they're in. Um, and if the Lions beat the Packers, the Seahawks are in, right? And for the most part, I felt like the Lions thoroughly outplayed the Packers in this game. Uh, I, I, I thought thoroughly, they, they like, they thoroughly outplayed the Packers. I think there were a couple calls that could have, that didn't go Detroit's way. I think they got a touchdown call back. They got an interception call back. There's just some. There was just a couple plays that was like, oh, it's like, uh oh, here we go again. Typical Lions kind of game, right? But they, they, they took advantage of the opportunities um, that was given to them. They created. They forced turnovers. They were able to force turnovers all night. And honestly, coming into this game, I thought this was a winnable game for Detroit because you look at both rosters. I mean. I think offensively, in terms of the offensive personnel, you probably would lean more towards Detroit. Um, I think Green Bay has better defensive personnel. So overall, I feel like these teams kind of balance out, and like there's not much disparity between talent with these two teams. Uh, I think Detroit is a little bit more gifted offensively. They got a little bit more talent offensively and a little bit more explosiveness. Green Bay, I th- I would take Green Bay's defense. Regardless, I was worried about Detroit when it like going into this game. I was worried about Detroit and them being able to stop the Packers' rushing attack, or not even stop it, but at least slow it down. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, Carolina just I mean just completely had their way with the with the Lions rush defense and ultimately they 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 just stomped they stomped all over the Lions in that game and you could just see <laughs> you can just tell Detroit has done over the past two or three drafts they have done a really great great job at drafting offense in terms of their offensive personnel whether it starts up front with the offensive line or outside the numbers with the receivers, they have done a like collectively a great job at drafting offense, and you could almost see the difference where like the, you know Detroit just had a little bit more speed and verticalness, and just they like they just had more creativity with their offense versus Green Bay. 
Um, and it starts with Ben Johnson. Ben John, I told you guys this already. Ben Johnson is going to be one of the hotter names, one of the more sexier candidates, head coaching candidates in this league, whether it's this year or next year. He called tonight, he called an amazing game. Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator Lions, played it. He he called an amazing game. Creativity, deception. Um, and ultimately the Lions, they were clearly the better coach team tonight. I thought the Packers, they got some unfortunate, undisciplined penalties. Um, I thought at time, like I said, at times the Lions play calling just seemed more creative, more on the creative side. And I don't know. I, I just feel like just clearly the Lions were the more prepared and well and better coach team. That's just a fact. Like, that's just a fact. And it's funny. Jared Goff, I mean, he usually doesn't thrive in these elements, but Goff played pretty well. So you look at this Lions squad. Granted, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they finished the season at 9-8. and eight. Um, They're above 500. This was a great year by Dan Campbell. I mean, a really good year for this Lions squad, and Lions fans should be excited about what they have. Um, they can clean up a little bit of the stuff on defense, add some more defensive talent, but offensively, they have what it takes. Now, let's shift to the Packers, I because I'm, I wanted to spend a lot of time with the Packers. Um, and it, it, se- it may seem a bit cliche. And you may have heard this countless times, but the Packers continue, continue to struggle in big games, in big spots. Aaron Rodgers continues to struggle in big spots, in big games. Uh, and, and ultimately, you ask yourself, why would why were the Packers week eighteen at eight and sitting at eight and eight? Why were they in a win you're in situation? Because it was like before I even get into the logistics of Rodgers and him and the big games and so forth and what the future looks like. This Packer squad was it, it's not a bad team. It's not a bad team, but they got off to such a rough start in September and October and, and you know the, the first half of November. They were four and eight. 12 games in and their offense throughout those 12 games look completely anemic like they 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 look completely anemic and you ask yourself why well Rodgers had young receivers coming in Christian Christian Watson Romeo Dobbs they had young receivers coming in Rodgers didn't spend time with these guys developing some type of rapport during the offseason so you come into the season and they're, they're like these young guys are just trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out the offense. They're trying to figure out how to play and adjust to the speed of this league. And like they're like they're also like there's a lot of expectations. They're playing one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers. And you could just see the disconnect. You could see the disconnect between him and the younger receivers. Now you ask yourself, what happened? What changed? Like what like would change at a lot of part of the year. Well, they started to get a groove. It takes a while. It takes a while to get these young receivers, you know, indoctrinated and learning the system and actually playing it out and being effective. It takes time. So, like, the Packers getting off to such a rough start, 
I blame I put some of the onus on Matt LaFleur. I put some of the onus. I put a lot of the onus on Aaron Rodgers not building a better rapport uh, or early on or building a, a rapport early on in the season. Cause you get it, you get off to a four and a start. That's like granted, the Packers almost they almost dig themselves out of the hole and got to the dug themselves out of this hole. They they almost did it, but it you put you you put yourself behind the eight ball when you start off four and eight in the first 12 games. Just can't do that. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be an insurmountable, like it's it's just gonna be really difficult. You're putting a lot of onus on trying to come back. And win and 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 make the playoffs, right? So I put the onus on Matt Lafleur. I put the onus on Aaron Rodgers, um, for for not being prepared early on in this season during the season. And this team isn't a bad team. This is not a bad football team. Like they don't have too many gaping holes in their roster. They can add another receiver. They can add another tight end. Maybe a pad, another edge rusher, but outside of that, they don't really need. They're not missing too many things. They have a decent secondary. Like their their defensive line play is is pretty solid. Their offensive line play is pretty solid. They have two really good running backs. So like they're not missing too many elements in in, in, in ingredients to be a good football team. And this is why. In these big games for Aaron Rodgers, especially over the last three years, has just been completely just just bad, horrible ways to go out and lose. And ironically, all three of these, all the last three years, the Packers season has kind of ended really similarly, where it's cold, it's frigid, and Aaron Rodgers himself just doesn't put together his best day. The Tampa Bay loss. Um, when the Packers were the one seed and they were favorite, they lost. The 49ers lost yet last year in the divisional round of playoffs, where the Packers couldn't register an offensive touchdown, and that and they played a 49. They played a Jimmy Garoppolo that was nursing a shoulder injury and also dealing with a thumb injury. And then this year versus the Lions in Jared Goff, where like I said. Jared Goff, I like Jared Goff, but I've been watching for some time. He has never played well in frigid temperatures. He struggles in in in, in climates, in weather. Like he struggles in these type of games, and he outplayed Aaron Rodgers tonight. It looks bad. It like Aaron Rodgers, as great as a talent and as great as a player he is, it looks really really bad. And I will say, dare I say, an indictment to Aaron Rodgers that he's losing these games in in the fashion that he lose them in. I mean, like the pack, like he just looks cold. Aaron as he's in, it's funny as he's getting older, thirty nine years of age. Aaron Rodgers in the frigid temperatures at Lambeau, he looks cold. He looks cold. Um, and it, it Lambo used to be such a advantage for the Packers. I feel like over the last few years, it's become a disadvantage because their best player is a quarterback who relies on pushing the ball down the field. And Aaron Rodgers in these client in these temperatures in this cold, 
he gets neutralized. He gets neutralized, and the Packers offensively, their passing game is just out of sync. It's not in rhythm, and also he just looks cold. He looks like he used to be able to play through these type of temperatures and climate, but it just don't look the same. And tonight, he got bailed out. He could should have had two interceptions, but he got picked off on third and ten, and it was a bad throw. It was an underthrown ball. But then he got bailed. Like I said, he got bailed out tonight with the first interception that got called back because of illegal hands to the face. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm seriously, seriously considering not retiring, but I got to get to a warmer location because the cold and, and the Packers may, you know, and that's why I say the Packers, I felt like they missed a golden opportunity when they were four and eight to play Jordan Love because. Like I said, this team is not bad. But you were four and eight. And even if you made the playoffs, it was always it was already low percentage chance that you did make the playoffs. But you got yourself in a position to win and you're in. But even if you made the playoffs, you weren't good enough to win a Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, you missed the playoffs. You finished five, you finished below 500. Why didn't you just play Jordan Love? And that's where I get confused of the direction of this franchise because you did all of that just to finish below 500 and not even make the playoffs. And you didn't even see what you had in Jordan Love. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. And like I said, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm seriously considering getting like trying to get traded and getting to a warmer, warmer location because time and time again, I get neutralized by the cold at Lambeau. Like it's no longer it's no longer an advantage. It is a disadvantage. It does me no good. Over the last 3 years, you can see that the cold has negatively impacted Aaron Rodgers and his throws, the power and the the, the umph in his throws. It is impacting him. It's impacting him. So if I'm Aaron, I'm looking to get to a warmer location, not retiring. I think Aaron still got some good football to play, but I was certainly looking to trying to get to a warmer location, a team that's in a warmer location, because time and time again in December, like late November, we saw for me, I kind of I kind of saw this year. Versus Tennessee at Lambeau, he looked really cold that night. I mean, this this Lions game, he looked really cold. And his effectiveness to push the ball down the field, you could tell he was struggling. I don't know if, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking into that. I'm looking into that because the cold is no longer my best friend. It is neutralizing my skill set and my ability to come through and perform in these big games. Because over the last three years, you look at how the Packers season has ended. It, it's been a tragedy. <laughs> I mean, it's been bad. Like, it is, it's a really bad look over the last three years to really realize and understand how the Packers season has ended. It's a real bad look on Aaron Rodgers. It is. It's a bad look. Um, so let's shift that. Uh, but that's 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 what I have. I mean, congrats to the Lions. Uh, they 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 play spoiler, 
And like I said, it's a great story in Detroit going on. But once again, this is the Packers losing another critical, important, big game at Lambeau and Aaron Rodgers not coming through. So I did want to talk about um, some other things. Um, Let's get to the Steelers and the Patriots. First, the Steelers. Another just remarkable coaching display from Mike Tomlin. I mean, like, are we surprised at this point? Uh, like, we should not be surprised at this point. The Steelers finished 9-8 and eight, um, with a winning record. Granted, they missed the playoffs, but now that, that marks 16 straight years where Mike Tomlin has, not, has never had a losing record. That's just absolutely phenomenal. And the way how the Steelers season went started off two and six, and it looked like I was like, oh boy, here you know maybe this is the year. But the Steelers culture, the the you know, their culture is too strong. Um, their pride is too strong to just say like we're just gonna nail it in and we're just gonna suck. No, Tomlin still had these guys playing. You have to admire how Mike Tomlin has. His players, week in, week out, no matter the circumstance, situation, ready to play. Like, they're just ready to absolutely play. That that Like, that's phenomenal. And we already know Stiller's got some talent on both sides of the ball. But I, I want to talk about Kenny Pickett because I wasn't – I wasn't – not going to say I wasn't a Kenny Pickett fan, but I wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure – and I'll say this, over the last couple of weeks, I've watched him. I watched the tape. I went went back and watched some film um, on that Ravens game. And even I watched, you know, the last game today or, you know, earlier. Pickett is, they got something. Like, they got something. Like, him being good off script. He's really good off script. Um. He can make plays outside of the pocket, make some throws outside of the pocket, got some elusiveness and mobility. You really like you like you like to see that into the in, you know, in your quarterback in today's NFL. Um, he really, really showed some really good flashes. Now, I think at some point, the Steelers, they do a relatively good job at drafting. You would the fan base is probably looking, okay. You know, it's good that we, we, you know, we finished off the season well, but we need to progress and get into that 10-11 win mark next year, which I I think they could probably do, right? I think they could probably do that, but I would imagine the fan base is like, okay, that was all good. That was great and all, and you, we made a great effort, a tremendous effort to finish above 500 and still have a fighting chance at the playoff, and granted, we didn't get in, but we, we finished off the season on a really good note. So hopefully the Steelers can use this mo- this momentum. Can he pick it? You use that momentum and use this going into next year. And I, like I said, pick, pick it really good, like really good with off script, being off script, being able to make some plays, make something out of nothing and make some plays outside of the pocket and some throws. But pick it. He leaves the pocket a bit too early. I, I really I noticed that he leaves the pocket. He gives up on progressions and he leaves the pocket a bit too early. But overall, I like what I saw from him in the back end of his rookie year. He he I, he he turned. I was like, okay, Kenny Pickett making some throws and so forth. 
He really turned my head. So that Patriots. <laughs> Don't you know, it is something with older people, success as as successful people get older, especially successful rich people, smart, successful rich people, as they get older, they become more reluctant to be open-minded. And this is what I talked about with Belichick. Belichick, the Patriots are not going to fire him, right? Like, I hope you guys know that. As much as I criticize and critique Belichick on his player, on his drafting personnel-wise, and him not being sensible offensively or hiring someone to correct people that could be sensible and have some type of sensibility on offense in today's game. I Like as much as I do it, the Patriots are not going to fire him, but it comes to a point where the Patriots are stuck because Belichick He's always going to have a relatively good defense. His defenses were, I think they led the league in take takeaways this year and points off of turnovers. So just based off of that, Belichick's defenses, they're going to be good enough. The defense itself is going to be good enough to win you four, five, six games. So Belichick is never going to be the coach that just that just wins three games and it's like, whoa, he just like, he just stink. No, the Patriots. And I told you guys this earlier in the year, halfway through the year, I was like, I think it was after the, the Monday night loss to the bears. I'm like, the Patriots are now in this stage where they are really average and they have a clear defined ceiling. So with Belichick and his struggles, with drafting and, you know, analyzing players offensively, with him struggling with offensive personnel and not bringing in the right coaches, not bringing in the right players, not evaluating the right players offensively, it it really puts a defined ceiling on the Patriots. Whereas when he had Tom... Tom could, Tom did, could, and also did hide those deficiencies and mask those weaknesses in Belichick's arsenal, which is Belichick really struggles to draft and evaluate good offensive talent. Like, he struggles. He cannot draft offensively. Defensively, okay. He can't even, he can't, he barely can sign the right players offensively. Like the, just the feel for offense in New England is completely gone with Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady out of the door. Like the complete, just the complete overall feel for offense in 2023 is completely gone. It's completely gone out the room and they're really generic and a BB gun offense. And it showed with Mac Jones. Um, Mac Jones, a lot of these, and I want people to understand, a lot of these quarterbacks, 
they're going they're only going to be as good as their situations so if they have a defensive coordinator as a as a OC who's never called offensive plays that's going to be a problem if they don't have a marquee go-to guy outside the numbers or a guy that defenses are afraid of outside the numbers that's going to be a problem that's going that's that's all going to be a problem i i just i just want people to understand that you're like these quarter a lot of these quarterbacks not all but a lot of these quarterbacks in this league they're only going to be as good and as productive as their situation and as i said the patriots all of their feel for offense left it left it like with brady leaving with josh mcdaniel's leaving they completely have no feel for offense in the building so you know what's going to happen offensively they're going to look bad they're going to look bad they're going to look generic they're going to look real basic because they just there's just they just lack creativity they lack talent they lack explosiveness they lack speed like they lack a lot of what you need to win offensively or to be good offensively in this league so with that belichick He's going to like there's there's a defined ceiling. And like I said, Belichick, he is so damn smart as a football coach and so damn good as a coach. He's never just going to have a three or four win season like the Patriots are never going to finish four and 13 under Belichick. Like it's just not going to happen. At worst, they're like. Like I said, they're going to be in between the ballpark right now. They're in that stage where they're a seven, eight, maybe maybe nine win team. That's what they're that's what they're around. And I told you guys this: the Patriots are average. They're average. They're average. So I don't know. I don't know what I, it, this seems like. This isn't going to end. This seems like this is going to end with a lot of drama. Because, because, like I said, Bella, like, you know how some owners can just fire coaches because coaches had just really putrid and bad years. Well, Be- Belichick's quote unquote bad year is winning seven or eight games, which isn't a bad year. He's never going to be a two win, three win, four win coach. He's never going to lead a team that's going to win three or four games. Like that's just not going to happen. So I'm really curious to see how this situation goes with New England and Belichick and his future and what what does Robert Kraft like I'm really curious because I don't think they just outwardly just fire him but do they do they find a way to get him to I don't I don't know do they find a way to get him to abide by what they're trying to do like I said I highly doubt that because Belichick is like what the hell I've been doing this and been running the ship for years. Nothing's gonna change now. So it's gonna it's it's a it's a it's a real interesting and funny dynamic that's gonna play out in New England. Okay. Um <clears throat> what do I want to hit on next? Like I said, I don't want to be too long. Uh oh. Obviously, there's gonna be some coaching moves and changes happening. I think the Texans were the first they they already made a move. They fi- they fired Lovey Smith. I want to get the ro- I want to talk about Robert Sala on the Jets. Lastly, and and here's where because I like a lot of people 
there's gonna be there's gonna probably be some rumors that Salah could be fired. Salah and Joe Douglas, Jet GM Jet uh GM of the Jets. And it was interesting because I looked at the Jets' last eight draft picks. You look at the Jets' last eight draft picks, they have hit on the last seven out of their last eight draft picks. Literally. You look, you go back and look at the Jets' last eight draft picks. Seven of them have turned out to be good picks, with the exception of one. And you guys all know what that who that one pick is, Zach Wilson. And this is funny how the NFL works. You can draft linebacker, Will. You can draft a good DB. You can draft a good left tackle. You can draft a good right tackle. You could draft a good receiver. You could draft a good edge rusher. If you miss at the quarterback spot, it is huge. I just told you guys, last eight picks, the Jets, they drafted seven good players out of their last eight picks. The one pick that didn't work out was the quarterback spot. And granted, it was the number two spot. And it didn't work out. And and this is the thing. It's not that it just didn't work out. No, it was Zach Wilson. Like, Zach Wilson was that bad. And let me let me show you guys, explain to you guys how bad Zach Wilson was this year. In a game where the Jets were not playing for anything in week 18 versus the Dolphins, in a game where they were not playing for anything, and they seamlessly could not score a touchdown, they could not do anything remotely, anything good offensively. They didn't even play Zach Wilson. You would think, oh, this is a game where, like, hey, this we're not really playing for anything. Maybe we should give Zach Wilson some reps. No. They didn't even they didn't even want Zach Wilson to sniff the goddamn grass on the field. <laughs> they didn't want him to sniff the goddamn grass on the field. It was no way on God's green earth that he was throwing, attempting, dropping back, and throwing a football in today's game. That is bad. That is how bad. Zach Wilson has been this year. They have had to bench him multiple times. And even in a game where there is nothing that the Jets were playing for other than pride, nothing that the Jets were playing for, and they look bad offensively, they didn't even want Zach Wilson to sniff the goddamn grass on the field. That tells you all you need to know. And and I think... Me personally, if I'm if I'm Woody John, I if I'm Woody Johnson, the Jets owner, I don't fire Robert Sala because I'm like I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna try to give Woody Johnson I'm gonna try to give I'm gonna try to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna try to give Sala the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna give my GM the benefit of the doubt, and let and I'm gonna see what they can do. What else? What else they can do at the quarterback spot? Because granted, they didn't get the quarterback spot right, but they got everything else right, literally everything else right on the on their roster. But there is another side to it where they stuck their nets out there. They drafted Zach Wilson. You gotta live with that. And Zach Wilson was just bad. We he was bad. 
and they drafted him at number two. So it's a huge hit for the Jets. I like I said, I wouldn't fire Salah because if you if they get if they just get mediocre quarterback play, the Jets are in the playoffs. If they just get above average quarterback play, they're in the playoffs. So the Jets are right there. They're right there in the thick of things. They just got to get an upgrade at quarterback. But that goes to show you how funny the league is. Jets, last eight draft picks, seven of them have turned out to be good players. I bet you if it was the other way around, if the last eight picks, if seven of those picks weren't good, but if one of those picks, which would be the quarterback, if one of those picks, if the quarterback pick was fine, it'll be all good because they have their guy. They have their they have their franchise guy. They it's 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 really funny how this league works at times. It's really funny because they drafted some really good players over the last like their last eight picks, really good players. I mean, Bryce Hall, Sauce got like Garrett Wilson. All of these players that they drafted were really productive and really high-end players, even as rookies. But the one pick that didn't go well was the most valuable spot. And if you flip it, if you flip it the other way around, where seven out of eight players didn't turn out to be good, but that one player did, we're having a whole different conversation. But it, it, it's it's funny how this league works. But I just thought I would bring that up. Um, obviously, I, this is this is supposed to be quick. I don't know how much I spent, how much time I spent on it. it shouldn't be that long. But um, I will catch you guys later on this week. Obviously, we'll have our deep dive in terms of the NFL playoffs, and obviously, we'll talk about um, coaching firings and opening and job openings and so forth like that. So we'll always remember two choices, one decision. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, and peace, deuces. I'll be back.